and welcome back to the club profile. This is episode six of the series, which is part of the Eurotrips podcast network. And today's team in question is none other than super super heavyweight European side, AC Milan. And I'm happy to say I'm joined by three different guests today, but because they all do live in different countries, I'll be interviewing them all at different times. But for part one, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Rahit, who is an AC Milan supporter from India. How are we, mate? I'm I'm great. I'm great. Uh, thank you for having me on your podcast, Ryan. That's no problem at all, mate. Um, as I say, uh, Rahit is from India, so I do apologise if there is any um, any sound effects or any network problems, but we'll do our best anyway to get through it. But yeah, we'll crack on anyway. And as I mentioned, Rahit is an AC Milan supporter. So I'm going to just jump in straight away, Rahit, and ask you what made you start supporting Milan? Um, so um, as if, if people are not familiar, um, we as Indians uh, are really more crazy about cricket rather than football. But uh, football caught my attention during the 2002 World Cup, uh, which Brazil won in Korea and Japan. Uh, so that's when I started watching football, and then uh, slowly I caught on to the Champions League. And uh, as we all know, AC Milan is very is more known for its uh, forages in the Champions League uh, more than it's known for uh, winning the Italian Serie A. And uh, as uh, as a as a child, I was in very fascinated towards it, it defending and the Italian art of defending. And who better than to learn? It from other than Maldini and Nesta, and then then you had uh, one of the best strikers and uh, at that time Ballon d'Or winner Andrei Shevchenko as well. So all these players caught my eye, and then subsequently you had Kaka coming through and uh, Pirlo also becoming famous in, uh, during the World Cup. So as a as a as a boy who was enthralled, I think AC, AC Milan really caught my eye, even though uh, Serie A was not telecasted much in India those days, as much as it is now. Uh, but uh, the Champions League really kept us dreaming. Yeah, I reckon that's, you know, uh, definitely a big reason why many supporters around the world support and follow AC Milan just because of their exploits in Europe, especially uh, in the early sort of 2000s, maybe not so much within the last 10 years, but we'll get on to that a bit later. Um, I mean, you mentioned there about... How, what, how, what made you support Milan? Um, is that your earliest memory of them? Yeah, uh, um, like, um, like I started like what I was like ten years old when I started watching football, and uh, there was no uh, like I said that mentioned there was no tele- telecast of uh, football much in India those days. It started with the Premier League coming through, but. Uh, Champions League was broadcasted a lot and it was during the night times around like 12.15 in India. But I still, you know, sacrificed my sleep to watch uh, AC Milan those days. And you, I mean, it was during Carlo Ancelotti's era where uh, AC Milan were at their prime and one of the best teams in the world, much like how Manchester City and uh, how Liverpool are these days. So you, 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 you were fascinated as a team towards supporting one of the best clubs, best teams in the world. And, and then you had Shevchenko, Crespo, uh, you had Pirlo, Sedorf, uh, Gattuso. You, you had so much of passion coming through their veins. You had 
performance to match that as well. So that for me is one of the earliest memories. And obviously, like I mentioned, Shevchenko won the Ballon d'Or at that point of time. So as a, as a young boy, it, it, it catches your imagination. Yeah, absolutely. Like I say, uh, that that team, you know, through those through those years, were was just incredible. I mean, you mentioned there some some absolutely brilliant players. I think Kakar is one that stands out. Just how good he was, especially in his first spell at Milan. Um, I mean, going on to my next point, uh, do you have a a favourite player? I mean, it could be from uh, maybe today's squad. It could be from you know years gone by. But do you have one player that really sticks out and you know is just your personal favorite uh my personal favorite uh, from the past uh, will always be andre shevchenko mm. um for me he actually um, uh, he actually was the the stalwart of the team he actually scored the goals he actually won many trophies for the team before he made that move to chelsea and broke my heart <laughs> uh, but uh, but obviously shevchenko was the best player of my childhood and he he had I mean, he was one of the best strikers he had these moves he was tactically very very intelligent he was also a really he was really fast and as we all know seria was one of the best leagues in the world at the time he was playing there you had uh, juventus and inter milan who were uh, regularly making it to the champions league um, it, there was even an all italian final in 2003 and Shevchenko was all in the middle of it. So to, to be playing at, at the peak of Serie A at that age and still scoring, I mean, even uh, even when Nesta was at Lazio, before they became teammates, uh, he regularly used to torment Nesta before he came to Milan and became a legend here. So that was the kind of, uh, you know, the kind of impact that Shevchenko had with Milan. And uh, if I had to go with somebody at, at, at the current uh, team, I have I have to go with Rafael Leao, mm. who is this uh, uh, a very young, vibrant, vibrant talent who can dribble past any kind of player and you know penetrate any kind of hard defense, which is something that Milan has lacked through the last ten years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, after the Champions League, last two thousand seven Champions League. AC Milan hasn't had that kind of a player since Kaka or uh, maybe uh, the old Zlatan Ibrahimovic. So I'm I'm putting a lot of hopes and and uh, I have a lot of expectations on Rafael Leao as well. Yeah, for sure, he's definitely a, a talent, one to watch for over the next few years. Absolutely, and I mean going on. Obviously, you mentioned a player from the current squad. Looking at the current season obviously Milan are up there in second on joint points with Napoli what are your thoughts on the current season and where do you think realistically Milan should aim for should they be looking at winning the Squadetto or do you think just the Champions League place is good enough for this season what what do you think is realistic uh, for me, uh, what what uh, what uh, Gazidis uh, said around last year before the corona came, actually reverberates a lot with my with my understanding of AC Milan. So back when Sir Silvio Berlusconi, that was the prime minister of Italy, was owning AC Milan. AC Milan was one of the richest clubs in the world. But now, uh, after a, 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 after a lot of owners ca- coming in and going out, uh, it's uh, it's been managed by uh, a, a hedge fund from USA, 
So they are bringing back this, uh, they are bringing back the concept of data analysis into football. And so there's this whole huge project going on with AC Milan, uh, where they are investing in a lot of money into scouting and uh, a lot of money into making players better rather than pouring a lot of money into transfers and getting troubled with UEFA's financial fair play. Uh, and uh, since the Italian league is not what it was anymore financially as well, uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's a huge money crunch. Uh, that's where Milan um, are being more prudent with finances. So they've been building the squad. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, Rafael Leao. Leao has been one of that prudent transfers. We also had Zlatan Ibrahim who is coming back at coming back to Milan, which was ridiculed at first by many people. Then you have uh, Simon Kier, uh, you have um, Sandro Tonali, who is uh, another guy who is expected to take the Italian national team forward. So they're, they're building this young side with a little tinge of experience. Uh, there's a mixture of both and they're, they're trying to make this winning squad. And, uh, and uh, there, there's also uh, Stefano Pioli, who until this job did not have much great... Uh, I mean, any kind of trophies to boast about like other clubs do, but uh, he's 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 uh, very tactically uh, he's very tactically brilliant. He he's built this side. He he has a very uh, tactical uh, approach as well. So uh, with Pioli's plan and uh, with all the players that fits into his system, and uh, since we we had, we haven't done well in the Champions League. I'm expecting AC Milan to go for the Scudetto this season. Uh, given if we if if we can actually have one or two players in the in in the winter transfer window coming in, uh, we we do have the kind uh, right kind of players. But this year's problem has been as uh, as like last year we have a lot of injuries. Uh, we have injuries mounting up. Whenever one player comes back, we have two players going back injured. So this uh, so I think uh, in January one or two players could complete the puzzle and uh, AC Milan can challenge for the Scudetto. Napoli seem to be falling off a bit and uh, Inter Milan seem to be picking up a lot of momentum and uh, Juventus seem to be lost for ideas. And I think this is where, this is the best opportunity for AC Milan to grab that uh, Scudetto and make the next step in the project and try to be a serious team for the next year's Champions League. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I obviously I follow Serie A, Serie A lots. Obviously, I cover them for for the podcast and for our YouTube channel as well. So I've been very intrigued to see how the season does play out because I personally feel like those three teams you mentioned, AC, Inter, and Napoli, have all got a fantastic chance of winning it this season. Especially with Juve not being up to the standard this season. Obviously, they could still you know pull themselves into the mix, but you know, they don't look as consistent as they usually do. So it's a great opportunity this season for, for Milan to definitely challenge for the Squadetto. In in terms of the Champions League, obviously there's a crunch match tonight for them away to uh, Atletico Madrid. And obviously Milan, they haven't had the easiest uh, group stage so far. They are bottom just with the one point. Obviously it's a, it's a massive game for them today. What do you feel... They could realistically achieve in the Champions League group stage this season. Obviously, there's only two games left, but they could also, you know, they've only got to win a game or, you know, win a game, draw a game, and they could potentially 
make their way into the uh, Europa League. But what do you feel in terms of the game tonight? Personally, I would like for AC Milan to possibly drop out of the Champions League groups. I know I sound very pessimistic regarding this. But um, the Europa, Europa League does not entice me at all because uh, it's, it's uh, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, we have a lot of injury problems coming up in the Europa League. Uh, it's kind of the kind of teams that play in it. Uh, you have to go away to Russia on a cold uh, winter day there or uh, you have to play against the teams who are uh, who play uh, much more physically than the teams in the Champions League who kind of uh, outplay you technically. So there's more chances of uh, getting injuries and it can hamper the Scudetto opportunity that AC Milan has this season, which is a really golden chance. And uh, I, I think, uh, and also we, we have a few key players out injured like Tomori, uh, Mignon, uh, Leao is also not fit. Uh, so I think uh, I, I'm not very, very positive about today's game. And it, it kind of looks like that Atletico Madrid will kind of try and get through to the next round of the Champions League. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's probably the the same feeling that most fans have. Obviously, if you did drop out, you know, down into the Europa League, I feel like you'd have a very good chance of winning it. But it's a lot of games to play, and you know, they're not they're not all easy teams either. You know, you don't know what other teams may drop down. From the Champions League into the also also the uh, I'm sorry to interrupt uh, also the finances of the Europa League uh, where uh, it's it's actually not attractive at all to to the mm. owners or the management either you you win I mean winning uh, a, a Champions League gets you around uh, 85 to 90 million prize money but winning the Europa League only gets you 32 to 40 million. So it yeah. actually does not it, it does not actually entice the ownership either. You you can have a, a, a huge truckload of injuries and you only make half the money of the Champions League. So it does not entice anybody. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we mentioned that there about the injuries that are mounting up. Obviously, we are now approaching December. We'll soon be in January, where the January transfer window does open. Are there any specific areas of the the pitch where you feel like Milan desperately need to add someone. I've seen in recent uh, days that they've been linked heavily to two players, um, Renato Sanchez of Lille and Nicola Pepe of Arsenal, a team I support. Um, what what would you make of either of those or both of those players coming to Milan? Do you think that they would improve the current squad? Um, yeah, definitely. Both of these players are... Uh, very, uh, I mean, both of these players are very able. They're technically competent. Uh, I watch a lot of Arsenal as well. Uh, so I can say that Nicola Pepe does have the kind of uh, the kind of quality that we are looking for. But uh, the source that the Nicola Pepe link is coming through, uh, it that sounds a bit lazy because with the kind of history that uh, AC Milan has with Gazidis, uh, there's in almost every transfer window, there's almost one player from uh, Arsenal that's always linked. Last season, last window, it was Torreira. Last two, three windows, it was Torreira from Arsenal that was always linked to us. But I would be really happy 
uh, why uh, in the defense we, we we play a 4231 and uh, we actually have a vacancy for the defensive midfield department because uh, as you must have heard Cassie is planning to leave on a free for next season so we're going to have a we're going to have a vacancy there and uh, we're planning to uh, we're, we're looking at Renato Sanchez um, Renato Sanchez for me on his days one of the best midfielders in Europe but uh, the, his problem his problem for the last 2 3 years uh, the reason why he went from bayern to swansea to to lille is, is his injuries he has been constantly injured he he's already missed 7 to 8 games this season already uh, uh, last season when we did face uh, lille milan face lille in the europa league and uh, renato sanchez was fit he actually he actually took us down single handedly so for me ronaldo sanchez would actually be an upgrade over kessi but the main problem in, uh, with our injury issues already having happening this season will be can ronaldo actually you know we, we play a very uh, dem- physically demanding style of play we press uh, we press our opponents a lot we are one of the best pressing teams in europe so can ronaldo sanchez uh, stand withstand that physicality that we demand that's a question so Mm. there's also there's also links towards uh, glen kamara sorry sorry bubakar kamara of marseille who's also being a free, who's also going to be a free agent so there's talks of him uh, securing him for for march and then kasi uh, once kasi leaves he will come on a free and we actually lose no money uh, there's also an issue uh, for us because uh, afcon is coming in january and benasser and kasi uh, who are our two best players will be missing mm. and uh, milan will not have much depth in there and we'll have, we have a, a rough patch of games where we have to play roma uh, juventus and inter are three direct rivals for the scudetto or even the champions league places in january and uh, so that that's one one area where i think we will uh, we'll dip into the market for and the second thing is uh, this is this has been a problem for us since a long time is the right winger position uh, we we had suzo until the 2018-19 season he was one of the best players during our dark times in the in the late and the mid mid 2010s mm-hmm. uh, but uh, once uh, but once pioli came in his style of play did not match uh, pioli's uh, requirements so we had to move him on but ever since that we haven't been able to find a player that's kind of matching uh, uh, his style of play obviously we have salamakers now salamakers is more of a defensive winger uh, he's one, he he can he's a system player he can press well he can uh, he can uh, cover for the uh, full back when they're making those uh, overlapping runs uh, but he's not a player who you can trust with taking a man on beating him uh, passing the ball or making a through ball those those are the kind of things that he's good at so uh, what 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 it makes our team is that even though we play 4231 with two wingers uh, two wingers on our opposite sides it makes us it makes our team extremely lopsided and sometimes predictable uh, because leao plays on the left and he it's always uh, milan trying to go through him to make a penetrating run into the opposition so ac milan has always been trying to buy a right winger that's where nicolas pepe has come in Uh, last uh, transfer window we've been trying to get uh, uh, romain favor of uh, of a team called brest from mm-hmm. france 
the deal reached close to completion but uh, um, like brest demanded too much money uh so there's a there's a lot of rumors regarding him i don't know how much it is true but right winger and uh, right winger and defensive midfielder are the two options there's also there's also the striker role uh, because we have two aged strikers in ibrahimovic who's 40 and jiru who's uh, 35 there's also a problem where we need a striker a permanent striker we been linked to vlahovic but vlahovic seems a bit out of our hands financially uh, i think he may move to the premier league so mm. i don't think a uh, striker happens now maybe the other two positions happen very soon yeah i mean it's, it, from the sounds of it they're in a very similar position to arsenal in the in the positions that they need to strengthen as well as potential problems in the future up front obviously we have some strikers um albamyang who's sort of now getting on a little bit Lacazette and Enketia look like they're going to be moved on so they're in sort of similar positions anyway so it'll be interesting to see what both clubs do and I could very much see Nicola Pepe if he doesn't move on a permanent deal maybe maybe a loan deal with a with a big option to buy could be an alternative for for both clubs because he's not playing for Arsenal at the moment and it seems as though Arteta and a lot of the fan base has now lost confidence and faith in him but it'll be very interesting to see how that develops over the next weeks and months um but before we do wrap up um i'll ask you one last question right and that is if you're optimistic about the future and about the next few seasons yeah i'm very optimistic about uh, about this team um we we have we seem to have a coach who's uh, very clear about his tactical principles we have a management team uh, that's headed by one of the big uh, and i call him mr milan that is maldini paolo maldini himself he's, he's been a great servant of the club we have a management team the sporting management team that's been led by maldini and we have the 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 one and only scout jeffrey uh, moncada who unearthed uh, the gem called uh, mbappe for uh, as monaco we have him sitting in our scouting department and uh, in our uh, financial department we have gasidis who's who's been actually really who who pulled us out of uh, the pit that the kind of uh, debts we were in so we we have a very sound management team we have a very sound coach and we have a team that's coming on its own uh, we we uh, we may not have the kind of individuals uh, huge names uh, very famous players but this is a more of a team a more of uh, a more of a more a team that's kind of uh, it's it's on its own it does not need individual players it it happens it's more about team play rather than individual play so i'm re- I'm, i'm very i'm very positive about the next upcoming few seasons i i see a project i see some sort of i see some sort of uh, ideas i see a clear vision rather than Uh, in the last few years we just got whichever famous player was there and uh, we just uh, we just couldn't get i mean in 2017 when the chinese uh, owners bought ac milan they just handed 250 million to two people who were incompetent and they spent that 250 million and we, we we didn't even only one player out of the 11 we bought came through uh, and and he's also leaving on a free that's frank cassis leaving on a free 
this year. So that, it was a total wastage. But with Maldini and with Casides and this ownership and the players and the, the coach, I, I see a clear vision for this team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, that does wrap it up for t- for part one of the AC Milan Club Profile Special. I just want to say a big thank you to Rahit for taking the time out of his day. Obviously, it's quite late in India at the moment. But again, a big thank you, mate, for, for coming on. Um, if anyone doesn't know Rahit on Twitter, his username is at Keralista. And he is a contributor to the big AC Milan Twitter profile, Sempre Milan. So do give him a follow on Twitter to check out his stuff. Um, very knowledgeable guy. And once again, mate, thank you ever so much for taking the time. Thanks. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks a lot for having me on your podcast. No problem. Hopefully we'll have Rahit back on soon, maybe for um, a Milan update special or maybe to have him come on the regular podcast. Who knows? But yeah, until to tune in next time for part two and uh, we'll see you very soon thank you very much hello and welcome back to part two of the club profile ac milan special for part two i'm delighted to say i'm joined by miguel who is an ac milan supporter from the united states of america specifically chicago illinois if i'm not mistaken um how are you mate i'm doing great um excited for this Champions League fixture against Atletico, I, I think we need to get a win. I want revenge for what <laughs> happened in last fixture. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be I'll be keen to get your thoughts on that game in a moment after I, I spoke uh, in part one to Rahi, and it'll be interesting to see if your opinion differs to his. But for anyone who doesn't know Miguel, um, his Twitter is at MiguelAJ, I should say, 29. He is a writer for Football Italia, very big publication and uh, definitely worth a follow. Also has a YouTube channel, Milano Miguel. I'll include all links as I did with Rahi into the description below. But yeah, we'll jump straight into it anyway, mate. And basically the first question will be a nice and easy one. What made you support AC Milan? Uh, that's a good one. Uh, growing up, I remember watching the 06 World Cup. Uh, where, you know, Italy famously won. But um, my parents are from Ghana, and Ghana had to play Brazil um, in one of those elimination rounds. We lost to them, but there was a player named Ronaldinho who I just happened to be encapsulated by his trickery and his dribbling. Um, So from then on, you know, I did my research, and I figured out a couple years later that, you know, Ronaldinho played for Milan. And I believe it was FIFA 10 that I got and I picked the team and I came across Milan and, you know, the, the badge and the colors just kind of spoke to me. And then I figured out that Ronaldinho was on the roster. And from then on, I was like, yeah, Milan's going to be my team. And it's fair enough. It's, it's very similar points as well. So he obviously he's from India himself. So I was very intrigued to to understand why he he supported Milan as well, and it was similar reasons as well. I mean, he he mentioned watching the World Cup in 2002 actually, and being engrossed in all of that, and watching the Champions League with the likes of Shevchenko and Kaká and all those great players as well. So it's similar reasons 
to to yourself as well, which I which I like. Um, in terms of your earliest memory of Milan, uh, what would that be? Would that be as you just mentioned the 2006 World Cup, or a little bit later on, maybe? My earliest memory with Milan would be a bit later on. Um, mm. I would say watching the season that Milan won the Scudetto, it would be, you know, prime memory. And then after that, Kevin Prince Boateng scoring against Barca in the first leg of the Champions League. Those mm. are the two big ones for me. No, that's good. Yeah, I remember that goal as well quite vividly. Um, in terms of a a favourite player, maybe from, you know, years gone by or even from, the you know, the current squad now, do you have someone that sort of stands out above the rest of them for yourself or is there a couple in the mix? I think from previous times, uh, my favourite player was Kevin Pins-Boateng. It just meant a lot to me uh, seeing a player from my nationality playing for, you know, my favourite team. I thought mm-hmm. that it meant a lot to me. And, you know, he had his moments where he stepped up big for Milan. So it was really amazing. You know, when they won the Scudetto, he did the whole Michael Jackson thing. It was it was pretty cool. So I'd say he stands out. Uh, right now, I think my, my current favorite player for the team is Thea Hernandez. I yeah. just think that for a footballer who, you know, came from Real Madrid, he's just been working hard and, He's definitely grown every season that he's been here, you know. He used to be super poor on defense, you know. He still struggles on defense a bit, but he's cleaned up his act a bit. And you can you can actually see that he has been, you know, taken under Maldini's wing and has been learning from him. I think that in the next couple of years, he probably will, you know, retain that title for the best fullback um, in world football. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you beat, you beat me to it regarding uh, Teo Hernandez because I've mentioned it a few times on our usual podcast how highly regarded I I think of him as well and as you say he is one of those fullbacks that does bomb forward he comes up with a lot of assists and goals respectively for a fullback as well which makes a massive difference and has done over the last you know couple of seasons for Milan um, as, as you say the older he gets better defensively he will be as well but you always want him to retain that attacking kind of instinct as well and again I feel like he was a massive signing when they did get him at the time and as you say he's growing year on year and I think he's just gonna as you say become one of the best if not the best left back um, certainly in European football in a few years time if not sooner so yeah um, very nice to hear about him Obviously, going on to the current squad, what are your thoughts on the current season? As we as we've already spoke, you know, you're looking at the the Serie A table at the moment, Napoli are on top, but only by goal difference, with Napoli and Milan on level points. In a not far behind, only four points behind. But realistically, what do you think is achievable this season for Milan? Do you feel like? The Squadetto was there to be won, obviously, with Juve not being up there as much people thought. Or do you think they're still kind of at that Champions League sort of qualification level? Um, where do you realistically see the season going? You know, realistically, I think that making top four, once again, is the big goal for us here because we want to retain 
you know, that Champions League revenue you want to retain being a big team that plays in the Champions League. That's how you get, you know, talented players to join your squad. Everybody wants to play in the Champions League, so that's a priority. I think that the Scudetto is something that could happen because where we're sitting in the Champions League right now is it's favorable since we're at the bottom of the group. We've been a bit unlucky, um, and this is a very young team. You know, the first couple of games are a bit nervy. And, you know, they're inexperienced. So I think that if we crash out of the Champions League, that, you know, I think top four is still going to be solidified because I feel like Milan's a team that's going to fight regardless. We saw how they fought last season. They fought until they fell off in the second part of the season. And then we scraped by to get what we needed to get to make it into the top four and place in second. So should we crash out of the Champions League? I don't think that we would like to put our eggs in one basket and go all in for Europa League. I think we'd kind of do what Inter did last year, you know, crash out of the Champions League, focus on Serie A, and if we can win the Scudetto, it'd be amazing. But the the big goal here is top four. We all know that we need top four. We need that Champions League revenue. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, that is massive to every big European club in Europe. Obviously, that money from the Champions League. You know, Raheem mentioned it earlier that winning the Champions League gets you know gets you between 80 to 90 million where winning the Europa League only gets you around about a third of that and it was interesting that he he himself said he would rather Milan drop out of Europe altogether this season because of the mountain injuries and the fact that Milan don't have the greatest squad depth he didn't feel like the Europa League was worth sort of compromising maybe challenging the squad there so far do you still feel like, you know, dropping into the Europa League would be a good thing? Or do you think it's not really worth, you know, the the, the effort and the travelling and, and what it might cost you in the long run? No, I definitely agree. I don't think it's worth it. You know, if, if we're not making it to the elimination round in the Champions League, I don't think we should play in the Europa League. Um, it's just not worth it. Like you said, we don't have the squad depth. You know, we did bring in a couple more players, but, you know, with the players that we brought in, we've we've kind of struggled with injuries and rotation. You know, it's like someone from the first team gets injured and someone who's, you know, a rotational player or a squad player gets injured as well. Um, mm. So right now, we're not in the best of positions to say, hey, let's put our eggs in one basket and let's focus on Europa League. Because at the end of the day, like I said, the goal is top four to get back into the Champions League. Unless we're winning the Europa League, I don't see the point in doing that. And with the demand of this season, with how, you know, there's games being played almost every three days. You think about it, how Milan played on Saturday and they're playing again today on Wednesday. Then they have another game on Sunday. You know, mm. it wouldn't be smart for us to play in the Europa League knowing that we have that type of schedule for the rest of the season. That's it, especially with the Europa League games being played on a Thursday as well. Obviously, that extra day closer to to the weekend fixtures, you know, it, it it will eventually take its toll, especially the further on you get. And you know, it's a it's a competition that is definitely winnable for a lot of teams. You know, tr- especially the ones dropping down from the Champions League. But as you say, it's still a, a notoriously difficult competition to win. So, I definitely agree in the fact that they would probably be better just sort of going out. And I think that will probably happen because obviously they are away to Atletico tonight who themselves need to win to make sure that they go through. 
but I believe on the final match day that they they're at home to Liverpool, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that is correct. Yeah, that's it. So you know, they're two massively difficult fixtures to to, to even just get a point from them. But and that, and you know, they need more. They often they need to realistically win probably both of them just to get through to the knockout rounds. And even if they do reach the knockout rounds, you know, how far realistically would they go? Maybe the quarterfinals. So. Yeah, I feel like definitely in the long run, um, probably going out and just retaining those players. Because again, we mentioned it earlier, the fact that you look at the Milan team, they have a lot of young players in there. But they also do have a lot of experienced, you know, old players as well, the likes of Zlatan and Olivier Giroud as well, who aren't going to be able to probably cope with the demand of fixtures coming up as fit as they are. So, yeah, I definitely agree in in that respect um what uh, we mentioned as well before about the squad depth obviously we're soon going to be approaching the january transfer window and it seems as though milan are being linked to several big players two that have been mentioned quite frequently over the last sort of days and weeks was uh, renato sanchez of lille and nicola pepe of my club arsenal do you feel that they would realistically make your squad or especially or your first 11 better than what it is? Or do you think that they need to reinvest into other areas of the pitch? I think being linked to Renato Sanchez and, you know, Nicola Pepe are both departments where we do need more depth. I've been harping on this on Twitter for quite some time. I really do think that we need a new right winger. You know, credits to Alexis Salamakers. He has a great work rate, but in the attacking third, in the attacking third, you know, he tends to kill the attack sometimes. You know, he's a bit hesitant. He tries to do too much. Sometimes he doesn't do enough. Um, and if we were to bring in a quality right winger, that would change so much for the dynamic of Milan. Look at what Leao does on the left wing. Mm-hmm. And if we were to have someone who can replicate what Leao does on the left wing, on the right wing, any any team that we play would be in trouble, you know? Yeah. That's creating chances. That's creating opportunities. That's assists. That's possible penalties that can be won on the other side. You know, Milan plays really strongly on that left side through Theo Hernandez and Rafael Leao. Imagine what you can do if you have a quality right winger with Davide Calabria behind him. That's it, because you know Davide Calabria as well is a right back that I um, highly rate. And again, if you can replicate, you know, what you've got on the left wing to the right wing, again, you're going to be a dangerous outfit for any team. And personally, for me, being an Arsenal supporter as well, I feel like Arsenal's fans and maybe Mikel Arteta have kind of now lost faith in Nicola Pepe. He doesn't seem to really be settling in to our squad and to the demands of the Premier League as well. I don't think it it suits him whatsoever. So a move to Milan could definitely be a step in the right direction for him. And I feel like he would be a great signing for Milan because I feel like he suits the Serie A demands a lot better. And again, he would definitely get a lot more game time than what he's seeing at Arsenal for sure. And you know, he's still he's still relatively young, so he's still got time to improve. We saw what he'd done with Lille. And again, you know, we mentioned it 
about the central midfield department as well. We know Frank Kessie is more than likely now going to leave at the end of the season on a free transfer. So there's going to be that area next to Sandro Tonelli um, where they're going to need to strengthen. Um, do you feel like Renato Sanchez is that player to do so or do you feel they need to look elsewhere? I think Renato Sanchez is definitely a quality player. We've seen sprouts of him being a quality player throughout his career. My only issue with Renato Sanchez his fitness and mm. being able to keep him healthy. He's been a player who's dealt with injuries time in and time out. Um, so if we're looking to replace Kessie, who's been a player who hasn't been injured much in his entire Milan career, you know, this is a guy who pretty much played an entire season without rest um, at one point. Mm. So I think that the profile fits, you know, re- replacing front Kessie. But the issue is, is he going to be able to, you know, play an entire season under Milan? Is he be is he going to be able to stay healthy and not get injured? And then, you know, we've wasted money on a player who is talented but can't see the pitch because he's injured all the time. Yeah, that's exactly that. I mean, we mentioned Kessie there. How how big of a loss do you feel like it's going to be, especially to lose him on a free transfer as well, which always hurts, but his presence obviously in that midfield of Milan, do you feel like it's it's going to be a massive loss whether you replace him or not? I personally do not believe it's going to be a massive loss. Um, I think Cassie has been fantastic in his time of Mil- at Milan. He's grown so much as a player. He's become a leader. He's but he's become an integral part of the team. But Kessie is someone who's replaceable. You know, he's not he's not this world class talented midfielder that's one of a kind. He's not a gem. You know, mm. he's just worked his way up throughout the years. He's gotten plenty of experience and he's crafted his game to be able to play with the system that fits Milan. You know, and I think that. Even though we're losing him on a free, you know, he's making that decision to be lost on a free. You know, players in today's world have all the control. You know, yeah. a player can say, hey, you made me into the player that I am today. I'll renew my contract. And even though I don't want to stay, I will make sure that you guys get a fee so that you can replace me. But he's not choosing to do that, you know. Same thing went with Donnarumma and Hakan. Same situation. These players, mm-hmm. you know, play a good season. They they think they're worth more than they are, or they think that they're better than where they at right now. And they make a big move, and it doesn't work well. We've seen we've seen this happen with someone like Usman Dembele who moved to Barcelona. Big move yeah. for the guy, you know. Went from Dortmund to Barcelona, and it hasn't really worked out for him. Injuries, not enough playing time, inconsistent. So, Kessie leaving, you know, it it hurts because, you know, this is a player that I've watched for years and I've seen him grow and I thought, you know, he'd be a part of this Milan team, especially after he came out and said he was going to sign a renewal in the summer. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, this is life, you know, and Maldini and, you know, the management have made it very clear. No one is bigger than Milan. If you don't want to stay here, if you can't meet the demands that the club is doing, so that we can build a winning team, so that one day we can win the Champions League again, then you can get out. 
That's it, and that's uh, for me. That's the right ethos to have because they're in a very similar position, as I mentioned already on the podcast, to Arsenal in the fact that you know they're two massive clubs who obviously are not where they want to be right now. But obviously, I've seen it myself with some of our best players leave, especially on free transfers over the last few years. And of course, it's it's difficult to see. But for me, one one I was really intrigued as to why he left was was Hakan Chelanoglu, and I was amazed when I when I found out he was going to. You know, I couldn't I couldn't quite believe it. But you know, um, for our, for our YouTube channel, obviously we went to San, the San Siro uh, a few weeks back to watch the um, Milan derby. Obviously, we saw what Chalanoglu done in that game. What what what's your feelings? On Shalanoglu, obviously, we know a lot of Milan fans um, obviously don't like him anymore. We've seen what they've put on his Instagram and whatnot. Do you feel like he definitely made the wrong decision going to her? And uh, was you a bit confused as to why he'd done that? You know, the thing with Hakan is I think that he's a very sensitive and reactionary uh, player. You know, mm. Hakan on the day where he is in form he, he's a great player you know i wouldn't say he's world class or one of a kind but he's definitely somebody who if you have in your team and he's he's in hot form he can contribute to the team he swung in some some massive crosses he he scored a couple free kicks you know he can do things from the set piece he's a good penalty taker um but with hakan you know i think he either took the way that Milan fans treated him personally because of his poor performances on the pitch, or there was an issue with him and someone or some people at Milanello. Because you don't just go to Milan and, you know, claim that you love Milan and this club is great and, you know, you want to you wanna see the club thrive. And then we have this contract renewal situation. You're just, you know, beating around the bush and then... With the unfortunate events of what happened to Christian Eriksen, there's an opportunity for you to go to the rivals and you just don't hesitate. You're like, yep, I'm, I'm going to do it. You know, a player who has respect, a player who has values and, you know, values the club that they were at would never move to their rivals unless you're, you know, a secret Inter fan, which I don't think that in uh, Chalanoglu was. So mm. I think he took it personally and, you know, he made the most of the opportunity that he got. Because let's be realistic. If Christian Eriksen didn't have that fatal, you know, heart attack in that stadium during the Euros, Hakan Chalanoglu wouldn't have went to enter. He wouldn't have had any offers. And he'd either have to play his bluff and re-sign with Milan or he was going to go overseas to get, you know, paid immense wages. That's yeah, pretty that, much it. Yeah, that's it. I, I think... You know, another little fact of what definitely hurt a lot of Milan fans was the fact that he was given that number 10 shirt as well, a shirt number that's, you know, synonymous with so many great players throughout Milan's history as well. And, you know, those little things mean a lot to, to fan bases of any club as well. So I think the disrespect, you know, especially again, to move to Inter, I thought was was incredible, to be honest with you. Um you know, I didn't think he would be short of offers either. As you say, he's a talent on his day. And although there's not really any, you know, such thing as a free transfer because you have to pay on signing on fees and agent fees. And, 
you know these all these all build up at the end of the day i was i was still very surprised even though they had just uh won the squadetto again as you say if ericsson didn't have his heart attack you know obviously he wouldn't have gone there but yeah i have to say i was i was very surprised to be honest with you um but these things happen and uh unfortunately you know it, it did happen and we move on but one player I do want to ask you about um, is someone who I haven't really heard that much of. I knew he he was starting to play a lot more, and especially this season, hadn't seen much of him. Um, Ismail Benassar, um, what do you make of his last couple of seasons with Milan? Do you think he has a potential uh, future in that Milan midfield? I do think that Benassar has had some pretty good seasons under Milan. You know, his first season at Milan was a bit interesting. He's, this guy constantly got yellow cards. I think he had 13 or 14 yellow cards in the first half of the season. But he cleaned up his act, and he's become a player who you can definitely trust um, on defense to win you back the ball. On his day, he really changes the attacking output. He's that guy who finds, you know, one of the creative passes or the creative crosses that helps lead to, you know, a counterattack or an opportunity for us, you know, to pounce on goal. I think he's a very talented midfielder, you know. In the last African Cup of Nations, he was voted player of the tournament, which speaks highly of him as a player as young as he is. I think that right now he's not getting as much playing time because as we saw in the last season, he got injured quite a lot. And you don't want, you know, one of your best midfielders getting injured. So I think that Tonali and Cassie, who haven't really been injury prone, you know, get the, the the nod over him. And, you know, he gets to start here and there just to prevent him from, you know, overdoing too much, especially with the high demand of fixtures that we're playing. I think that should Cassie leave, I think that Benacer does have a way to fight for a starting spot to, you know, get more playing time. Um, but I think he still has a future at Milan. Uh, I believe they're probably working on a renewal for him as well as with Rafael Leao and Theo Hernandez. So I think if he truly wants to stay at Milan and continue developing for his career, this is the place for him. I think he'll thrive. You know, anything can happen. You know, we always hear rumors of how Milan's thinking about how they want to change their formations. You know, who knows? We could play a 3-5-2 eventually in the future, 4-3-3, a 4-4-2. You know, you never know. So I think... He's done a fine job developing at Milan. Um, he's definitely been, you know, one of the top talents in Serie A, in my opinion, for the youngsters in the midfield department. And he can continue to thrive and grow here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we do wrap up, I've got one last question for Miguel. And that's plain and simple. Are you optimistic for the future and for the next few seasons after how the last season or two has gone. Yeah, I am optimistic. You know, last season, I firmly believed that we were going to place in top four. Uh, I thought we were going to get the fourth spot, but, you know, we got lucky and we got the second spot. Well, I wouldn't say we got lucky. You know, we played our hearts out the first half of the season. And then, you know, playing in the Europa League just kind of caught up to us and we didn't really have that squad depth, so we're hanging on the thread. But I think Milan have proved themselves over the years that they're just they've developed into a better team. They're not 
the Milan of old or the Milan of the Banta era, as many of us Milan fans say. Mm. They've grown, they've learned, they've experienced, they trust themselves, they trust the football that they're playing, they trust the manager. They're a big family. Um, and I think that the environment that they have created has been able to create a system of stability that'll go on for the future. If Milan doesn't win, you know, a trophy within the next three seasons, I'd be very shocked, even if it's a Coppa Italia or a Scudetto, because this team has shown time and, and time again that they come to play, you know. It's very rare that Milan tastes defeat. You know, we were unbeaten until Saturday in Syria, and the last time that we lost in Syria was, I believe, last season when we lost to Fiorentina, no, not Fiorentina, but it was somewhere along the lines of last season when we lost. Mm-hmm. So to be able to be undefeated in Serie A for such a long period just shows you that this team is not something to play about. And I think that, you know, once the team actually gets situated and gets the right proper squad depth, that they can definitely contend for a title they can make a deep run in the Champions League, and then hopefully we continue to build on because I'd love to see a Champions League title within the next five to ten years. Yeah, absolutely. As I say, um, I do have a, a soft spot for Milan. They're without doubt my favourite team in Italy, and obviously I do cover Serie A for the podcast and for YouTube and whatnot. So I'm very intrigued to see what they do for the rest of this season, if they can keep up their good form and I'll should you know definitely be watching tonight to see how they get on against Atleti. But yeah, that does wrap it up for part two of the podcast. I'll be joined in part three uh, by another special guest. But once again, a big thank you to Miguel for taking the time out of his day for coming on. I did mention at the start his Twitter handle as well as his YouTube username and whatnot. Do check him out on YouTube and on Twitter. Very knowledgeable guy, especially when it comes to AC Milan as well. And once again, hopefully we'll see you again on the podcast in the near future, Miguel. But thank you ever so much, mate. Thank you for having me. No problem. See you soon. Yeah. So welcome back to part three of the Club Profile AC Milan special. I'm happy to say for the last part of the episode, I'm joined by Menez. Um, How are you doing, mate? I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem at all, mate. Happy to have you here. Um, once again, as I've done for the part one and part two, if you don't have Menez on Twitter, his username is at Menez underscore 18 underscore. Some, uh, some great content he has on there, so do check him out on Twitter if you want to. But we're going to crack on as we did with the first two guests and go straight in with the first question same as the other ones what made you support Milan Menez um I, I mean looking back at it I think it, it might seem like I was a bit of a glory hunter back in the day I was like four years old and Milan just won the Champions League in 2003 so uh, my dad my dad was a Barcelona supporter so he wanted me to support Barcelona as well, but I asked him just, oh, 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 who won the Champions League this season? And he told me, oh, this Italian team named Milan. And I just started watching like th- during those years. But, uh, I think it was a complete coincidence because of that, because they won the Champions League that season. But I, my, my love for the club grew immensely since then. 
I'm, I'm quite happy. <laughs> it was quite a good coincidence. <laughs> yeah, sort of the same with uh, Miguel as well. They both, you know, watched Milan in that sort of early 2000s to, you know, the 2010 periods. And then obviously the last 10 years haven't been too kind to the club. But for sure, it's interesting to always get, you know, a perspective on what makes someone support a club, especially from you know, where they are around the world as well. So, you know, very interesting to to hear that. I mean, like, you know, it goes well on to the next question. Was that the earliest memory you had of Milan? Maybe the earliest memory of me knowing about the club, or just maybe this as a kid, I was like four or five, just considering that, oh, I'm supporting this club. I, I started just uh, seeing the results or whatever, but I think the earliest memory that I have of me actually watching the games of me actually continuously like watching the games of the season and knowing was the Champions League run in 06 07 when, mm-hmm. when we also won that season. I, I I fondly remember the the two games against Bayern Munich, then the semi finals against uh, Manchester United, and of course the final against Liverpool. Those three, like those uh, five games are really special in my memory because I, they might be like the best early memories of me watching the team. Yeah, for sure. Like I say, they were they were an immense team during that period, and I, I imagine that that's a, that's a time where they definitely appeal to you know a lot of the younger generations so um i can fully understand that uh in terms of having a favorite player would you say it came from that period or from the current squad now do you have someone again that stands out above everybody else and someone that really appealed to you as just being you know a personal favorite oh absolutely uh, people and Zaggy from from mm-hmm. that period it's, itself. Yeah, I remember like that season oh six oh seven in Champions League. The, the like he scored against like we would like in the against Bayern and then he scored against uh, Liverpool in the final. Just on the, also like if you remember, Pez six was released like during that time. So I played a lot of it and just used to play him and he would score so many goals in that game. And me just as a child. If, Looking at that player scoring in real life and scoring for me in the game, like my love for him grew immensely. It, he absolutely is my my number one. Like no one comes close to him at all. Yeah, I mean he was an absolutely immense striker. Had so much quality, and as you say, he just scored goals for fun. And yeah, I can fully understand that. It, it's very interesting to to see as well that you know all three guests today have all had different picks as well, which I wasn't expecting because. Rahit in part one had uh, Shevchenko as his personal favourite. And yeah, Miguel, you know, from the current squad as well, he picked uh, Teo Hernandez as one of his personal favourites from the current squad. And as you say, it's uh, it's very interesting as well that you've gone with with Pipo and Zaghi. There's so many great players that Milan have had in there, uh, you know, in, in, in years gone by. You know, the likes of Kaká, uh, Crespo, Gattuso, Maldini, Nesta, Dida... Dida as well was one of my, you know, probably one of my favourite goalkeepers of all time. So they've had so many incredible players over the last few years for sure. So it's uh, it's very interesting to, to to hear that anyway. But uh, yeah, we moving... were so sport great players. Like, <laughs> yeah, so was. yeah, incredible, um, incredible squads. But moving on now to the current season, obviously looking at the Serie A table at the moment, you've got. 
Napoli and Milan, who are joint at the top on the same amount of points, with Inter just behind on four points in third place. In terms of the current season, what do you think realistically is, is achievable for the club? Obviously, they got back into the Champions League last season, which was seen as a as a brilliant achievement for the current squad. And, you know, although the group stage hasn't gone maybe as they planned, they were put in probably one of the toughest groups imaginable. And it looks now like a very unlikely task that they're going to qualify for the next round of either the Champions League or the Europa League with a way to Atletico Madrid today and then with Liverpool to come on the final match day. Do you do you think that they should be aiming for the Squadetto this season with Juve not being up there and, you know, it's definitely achievable? Or do you think still the top four is the main goal and they should still look to build? I think the Scudetto is definitely achievable this season. Like, uh, if if there's any season that we could realistically push with our squad, it has to be this season. Like you mentioned, with Juve being not as good as they were for the past few years, Inter selling their two best players, and uh, now only Napoli are quite good, to be honest. But yeah, I do think it's realistic to, to push for the Scudetto, but it's not necessarily happening. Like a lot of, I think a lot of fans just think it's a given at this point that, oh, we're probably going to win this Scudetto. I don't think it is that easy. It is possible and it is definitely what we should push for. But I think if we just get top four this season again and qualify for the Champions League again, two seasons in, like two seasons in a row with our injury record, like we have one of the worst injury records in all of Europe. So if we do just get top four at the end of the season, I, I do think that's quite by a good result. We shouldn't be sad about it, but let's push for the Scudetto anyway. That's it, as you say. They're not going to get many more better opportunities to win the league than they will do this season. Obviously, hopefully the squad does improve you know, in the, in the future, so they are up there every season challenging for it. But as you say, most people wouldn't have, have picked them at the start of the season to win the, the title at all. But as you say... You know, Juve are, are not as consistent as they usually are. In uh, although they're up there, you know, they don't realistically have. You know, or I mean, it's not realistically about it. They don't have the same players of the same quality that they had last season. And I feel like Napoli are a bit similar to to Milan in the fact that they're both very very good teams, but do they necessarily have the the quality and the experience to to go the whole season? in the current form that they're in probably not but it's very intriguing and I think it's going to be one of the most interesting title races um, throughout Europe this season you could realistically say there's three four even five clubs who could you know look at it and say you know we could win it this season so absolutely it's going to be interesting to see what they can do Um, in terms of the European campaign you know I asked um, both Rahi and Miguel the same question in terms of would you rather them just completely drop out of Europe or would you at least like to see them drop down into the Europa League? Obviously, we, you've mentioned there the injury record that you do have this season. Do you feel like it's worth dropping down into the Europa League and having a go and playing all those extra games or would you rather no, go for the Squadetto? I think it all depends on the game tonight. It's in less than two hours, actually. And 
it all depends on the result tonight. If we do get a win, a win tonight and uh, Liverpool win against Porto, then we could, should just go to, uh, to the final game against Liverpool like with with everything we got. We, we just push for it. Maybe we could, we'll get lucky with the Porto against Atleti result like in the next round. It all depends on that. Uh, realistically, we should, like the thing is, a lot of people are either wanting us to just completely drop the Champions League, like you mentioned, and focus only on the league, or a lot of people say, oh, we can, I mean, we can realistically win the, the Europa League if we drop to it this year. But the thing is, the best way I think the team should, and I think the management, luckily enough, are also looking at it uh, in the same way that I am, which is just go to each game and play the best football you could possibly can. Aim, for, aim to win every single game. And at the end, whichever the result is, uh, like after we play Atleti tonight and after we play Liverpool next round, whatever happens, happens. If we drop to the to Europa League, focus on that as well. Go full on just to try to win the Europa League. It's a title. It's a European title as well. It's not something that the club will be like, just ignore completely, which is great. If we do actually like finish fourth, which is still a possibility in this group, and drop out completely, Yes, it is a negative. We're not playing European football anymore, but it also is a positive in the case of, especially with our injuries, we can focus completely on the league and just try to win something domestically. But with whatever the result is, I don't think we should like decide of what we're going to do at mm. this stage and just try to do it. Whatever happens in the next two games, let it happen and then focus on whatever position you're in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it brings me nicely onto the next point and Obviously, we're approaching January, so we all know that means a January transfer window. And the club have been linked to quite a lot of players, but two players in specifically that we've spoken about already earlier today was uh, Nicola Pepe of Arsenal and Renato Sanchez of Lille. And there, these are two areas of the pitch where many Milan fans feel that like they need to improve upon, especially a right winger. Um, do you feel like Pepe would be a great signing for for Milan as well as um, Renato Sanchez, or do you feel like they should perhaps look at other players or maybe even other areas? The with Pepe, I think that would be a phenomenal signing. Yes, he hasn't been like at the same form at Arsenal that he was when he was at Lille, but I still believe like you don't just get the numbers that you got in France for for being like a fluke. He's not a fluke. He's a really good player. Yes. He wasn't like he wasn't lucky in, in England, but depending on the price that Arsenal asked for, there's a lot of reports about the price that Arsenal would ask for him. Stuff between 25 up to 40. So I mm -hmm. think that depends completely on what they're asking for. But right wing is the one area in our squad right now where we don't have a starter who's on the same level as every other place. Yes, Salamakers has been better than a lot of people expected when we signed him, but he's still. He's good at build-up. He's not really contributing like at the final third. He's not assisting. He's not scoring, which is fine because I personally never expected him to be that sort of player who would score and assist every other game. But it's still not good enough. Castillejo is injured now. He doesn't always. He has his moments, but he's not always the best. So right wing is de definitely the one position we should focus on. I mean, depending on how much the management are willing to spend on that one position, I do think we should go for Pepe. If the price is realistic, I think that would be an amazing signing. And knowing Maldini, he'll probably just ask for a loan with an option, evaluating how much he will cost. 
with with Renato Sanchez, he's like don't get me wrong, he's an absolutely brilliant player. He's he's brilliant on his day, but like we mentioned before, we have one of the worst injury records in all of Europe, and Milan Labs, who are 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 like our medical team, but like the 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 the, the, the sorry, can you can you cut there? Yeah, yeah, no problem, mate. Yeah. So yeah, and Milan Labs, who are our our medical like setup team, they're one of the worst. The fans absolutely hate them. We have an injured player every single day. Like genuinely, you I don't think you you can wake up on as a Milan fan and go on Twitter without expecting an injury <laughs> every single day. With Renato Sanchez and his record of injuries, it is horrendous. Like it's genuinely sad seeing a player of his age with his quality getting injured so frequently. But he does. I think that would be a great risk. Maybe we should probably focus on an, another player that doesn't have like a, as much like a, a bad injury record as he does. But considering his quality alone, I think he would be an absolutely amazing signing. I would love to have him in Milan, but even if we do, how much will he play? Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's going to be very interesting in January because I think there's going to be a lot of uh, deals made, especially with the African Cup of Nations going on. A lot of clubs, including Arsenal, are going to lose some very, very uh, key players. So there's going to be movement. I think there's going to be a lot of loan deals. And as you say, I mean, as an Arsenal supporter myself, I believe Pepe to Milan is a deal that probably suits all parties because, you know, as much as we all wanted him to succeed at Arsenal, he he, he just isn't consistent enough. And I don't feel like the Premier League is, you know, built for him. It, it doesn't suit him at all, his style of play. and Although Italy is still, you know, an incredible league and it's still fast-paced, it's not of the same pace as the Premier League. So I think that he would definitely suit that Milan team, especially how they play as well. I feel like, you know, because he's so good on with on dead, uh, dead ball situations, free kicks, set pieces, and with the players that Milan have up front, especially uh, Zlatan, Olivier Giroud as well, I feel like he would really. You know, settle into that team very, very well. And as you say, a loan deal with either an obligation or an option to buy, again, would 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 probably be, uh, be beneficial to all parties because he's not playing for us at the moment. You know, he can't get ahead of the other players that we have on the wings. So I feel like it's a deal that we could definitely see happen. But with with Renato Sanchez, for sure. You know, it's it's interesting because all all three of you have said the same thing about him. You know, he's absolutely, you know, he's got the quality. We all know he's got the quality, but as you mentioned there, his injury record is just too bad. And, you know, it's a big risk. You know, how much do you spend on him as well? You know, Lille will probably want a fair bit for him. You know, do you risk it? I think, as you say, they should mainly focus on that right wing position. And then maybe in the summer, then look at bringing in a central midfielder. And interestingly as well, um, Rahit mentioned it about them going to, they're possibly going to need a striker sooner rather than later with both Zlatan and Olivier Giroud both getting on. We don't know how much longer they're going to be at the level they're at or whether they're going to continue for much longer. So do you feel like there's someone out there who you think, you know, would make an unbelievable sign in Formula and, and someone who they could realistically get? I mean, a lot of talk has has been falling back on Vlahovic from Fiorentina. Yeah. 
seems like almost every club in Europe wants <laughs> a lot of people. Like the thing is about Vlahovic, he's I think he's he's said it like a lot before that his idol is uh, Zlatan. Like and it, it seems like Zlatan, it's it is possible that he will renew for another year with us at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are like uh, like asking the management to push for it of like oh and especially that he scored two goals against us a few days ago when yeah. he played against Argentina. Everyone's just like asking to to just push for Vlahovic. Oh, pay whatever, let him play. He wants to come play next to Zlatan. It's the last year that Zlatan gonna gonna play with us. Vlahovic would want it. I mean, I wouldn't mind it. He is a great player. I don't think he 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 might be like the best option considering his price. Because mm. like there are reports everywhere that some clubs have offered up to to fifty million for him, and Fiorentina have said no. They want like seventy and more. There is no way we can pay that, like at all. There is absolutely no chance we can even pay anything close to to that price. Fifty million even is way too much. So I don't think Vlahovic is the, the right answer for for that considering his price. But I definitely do think we should we need we need a striker like. With our striking situation, like uh, like you said, Zlatan and Drew are both really old. Zlatan is probably only renewing for another year. That that's if he does. Drew is still old. We have Pietro Pellegrini, who's on loan from Monaco, but he didn't play yet. He barely played. He barely gets minutes. It looks like like he's not impressing. His career kind of died after he he had that move to Monaco. I don't think we're making that permanent at all. Especially mm. like we have a striker who's. I think a bit younger than him, and uh, Lorenzo Colombo, who's who's currently on loan at Spal in Serie B, and he's mm-hmm. killing it there. He's 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 scoring for fun there. A lot of people just want him to come back, but I do think the management are gonna let him like stay on loan either there or somewhere else for a couple more years. I don't think he's ready for for the big stage anymore. Uh, just yet, sorry. But I I am I'm, I'm trying to to think of like one player who would come in and. Fix our striker problems, but I don't. I'm, I'm like Icardi. A lot of people have mentioned Icardi, but <laughs> like the thing is with Icardi, he's he, he's not going to drop back like Zlatan does and just collect the ball and pass it forward. And Zlatan gets gets involved a lot in build up, and most of our strikers do. Uh, Giroud didn't really do well in some of the games where he couldn't do that, so I don't think Icardi would fix the problem. So I, I really can't think of one specific player we could actually get. I, I, I'm, I'm just hoping the management does. Uh, I mean, the, the problem with Dusan Vlahovic is, again, Fiorentina want a lot of money for him, but they're in a tricky position because it's pretty well known now that he's not going to sign a new deal with the club. And, you know, come January or come next summer, he's only going to have a year left on his contract. So they're going to have to come to a decision sooner rather than later. And it's very interesting that there's going to be a lot of big clubs looking for that top class striker within the next six to 12 months, you look at the likes of um, Juve, you know, Bayern, you know, Robert Lewandowski isn't getting any younger. Manchester City are going to be looking for somebody as well. So uh, even Arsenal, you know, we're, it's not going to be too long before we start looking for a centre forward. But I feel like someone who would, who would, who would definitely make a difference, at least for the next couple of seasons, is an, is an Arsenal striker in, in Alex Lacazette, uh, someone who will you know, be available for, not a lot of money. He works hard for the team. I think he would settle into Milan's team very nicely because he works extremely hard. He presses, which obviously Milan do. And he scores goals at the end of the day as well. So I don't think they could do 
you know, too much wrong by by maybe going for for Lacazette. But I don't know what you think of that. I don't th- definitely think it's worth a shot. I think, like, the thing is with the the Lacazette situation. If we're like put in a situation where the management has to either sign one of him or Andrea Bellotti from Torino, who also a lot of fans want him and. The, the fan base is divided on that. A lot of people want him. A lot of people absolutely do not want him. I personally don't want him. I think that's way too much of a risk. Like, yeah, he scored goals, a lot of goals for, for Torino, but I personally don't rate him as highly as other people do. So mm. I think the Lacazette thing is worth a shot. Like like you mentioned, a lot, of, a lot of players do find it hard to fit into the style of playing the, of the Premier League. And like we mentioned with Pepe, even if, if, if he could possibly... Like not perform well in the Premier League and then come to Serie A and possibly perform much much better. The same thing could happen for Lacazette. I don't think Lacazette is performing badly with Arsenal to be to be honest. Like definitely oh, not no. in the same situation as Pepe. But like if you if you remember when Arsenal signed Lacazette from Leon, he was like honestly one of the best strikers in, in Europe. He was on absolute like top form. The, the goals he was scoring there were, were phenomenal. If he can replicate that that form or even anything close to it in Italy, I think it's definitely worth a shot. But again, depending on how much Arsenal would, would ask for him. But yeah, that, that's honestly not the worst option. I'd, I'd personally prefer it over Belotti. Yeah, for sure. Again, I don't think, unfortunately, Arsenal, we're not in a position to to, to demand too much for these players, especially for for Lacazette, who will only have six months left on his contract, obviously he'll be able to uh, to be able to sign a pre-contract with another European club. Um, so I reckon they could probably pick him up for somewhere between sort of ten to twenty million euros at the very most. I don't think we're going to be able to demand a lot for him, and at, at that price, you know, at, at twenty-eight years of age, I think that's an absolute steal for for Milan or for any other big club, to be honest with you. So I think that's one to. To, you know, definitely keep an eye on but um, moving on to to the last part of uh, the whole podcast is quite simply I asked the other two guys this as well are you optimistic now about the future for the club obviously we've seen the improvements made over the last two to three years do you feel like now they're really starting to, to get somewhere get back to you know the glory days and you know are you happy with how things are moving ahead. Oh, definitely. I think if you're a Milan fan, like this this period of time is the the best time you can actually support the club in in the last decade or so. The the, the fact that we have one of the not only like the the basis of trying the, the management we're trying to build like huge really well at the moment like if we're actually performing with so many players who are still yet to break in into like the, the best version of themselves how good can we actually be later like we have players like Tonali who wasn't performing great last season a lot of people lost hope in him he's 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 killing it this season and he, he's still like 21 uh, he, he will only continue to get better same thing with the uh, Tomori for example he's 23 he's one of the best defenders in all of the league same thing with the with mike mignon who's relatively young for a goalkeeper and he's when he came he made the fans forget about the donnarumma move everyone was so worried that donnarumma left what's mignon gonna do mignon came in and absolutely fit in immediately 
And not to mention, above all, I think Rafael Liao, who is also 21. And I personally think he currently isn't on the level I want him to be. But I personally think he has the, the, the talent and the ability to be the best player we've had in a long, long time. I don't think if he continues to, to grow and improve the, his game, his ability is phenomenal. He, he honestly has moments of absolute brilliance. I honestly think like if we have one player who I think could realistically become world class, because I don't use that term like lightly, mm. he could. I don't think I don't think he will because it needs a lot of work, and I personally don't think he, he's done it yet. He's definitely improved a lot this season. He's, he's brilliant this season, but not good enough yet. But he definitely can be. So I'm hoping. I'm definitely optimistic. If we yeah. were battling out for, for the title this season and last season with a squad this young, when, when they grow up like a few more years and all gain experience together and play together for a few more years, who knows what could happen. I think great, great things are yet to come. Absolutely, yeah, and uh, again, Miguel mentioned Rafael Leal um, quite passionately as well, and you know we all know the quality that he has. We've seen moments of, like you say, absolute brilliance. You know some of the goals that he scored for the club. So I think a lot of people are going to be very intrigued and uh, interested to see how his career does develop. So it's uh, definitely interesting times and very exciting times, I would say, for Milan. Finally, after you know a long, long period of. Uh, you know, poor results, poor finishes, poor transfers and, you know, controversy and different ownerships and whatnot. It's been a you know, a turbulent time, but hopefully now, you know, we've seen the back of that and we can concentrate on Milan challenging for trophies once again, which is where they should be. But yeah, um, that does wrap up the AC Milan Club Profile podcast. You know, as, it, as, I, as I said to both Rahi and to Miguel, you know, a big thank you to them too for coming on and, and also obviously to Menez. You know, thank you ever so much for taking the time out of your day, mate, to come on here and, you know, uh, tell us about Milan and, you know, your thoughts on the whole situation and whatnot. Um, we really do thank appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. No problem. As I say, all, all the guys' Twitter handles will be in the description as well as um, Miguel's YouTube channel. And please do, you know, give all of them a follow on Twitter. They uh, all have great content regarding Milan and about, you know, Italian football in general. So, yeah, um, once again, a big thank you to everyone for listening. It's been a fantastic episode. And, yeah, we look forward to seeing you for the next one. So, peace out.